This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Fashion Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Nina Shariati, and I work at the um, Global Sustainability Department at H&M Group. And what I love about fashion tech is that it enables some of the challenges uh, in the industry. This episode is presented by luxury footwear brand Tamara Mellon. Right now, as a listener of Fashion Is Your Business, you can get a huge $100 off your first order from Tamara Mellon just by using code FIYB at checkout at www.tamaramelon.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N.com. And don't forget, use code FIYB for $100 off your first order. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location with Pavan Ball, Rob Sanchez, and Mark Rako. And now, here are your hosts. Nina, welcome to, of course, South by Southwest and the Retail Innovation Lounge and Fashion Is Your Business. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Happy to be here. So much fun. Uh, and of you course, sound well rested, Nina. You do. Oh, well, I'm not. I think <laughs> that that's the secret. I'm, I haven't been sleeping much. I've been watching a lot of videos. <laughs> um, of course, uh, our, our audience uh, heard you on uh, the current. Uh, in uh, Copenhagen at Shop Talk Europe, and now we have the opportunity to dive a little deeper with you on some other subjects on Fashion Is Your Business. So we're very excited, and we're also very excited to be joined by our guest co-host, Mr. Rohan Deuskar, the CEO and founder of Stylitics. Welcome to the show once again. Thanks so much. All right. So uh, let's start here, uh, Nina. Uh, you're at South by Southwest right now. Why is being at South by Southwest, other than being the immediate center of the universe at this moment, <laughs> why is being at South by Southwest important for the work that you're doing in sustainability with a company like H&M? Um, what I like about South by Southwest is that it's it's covering so many different areas and it's a lot of... Um, different subjects being discussed. It's everything from politics, from trends to future tech, to um, food industry. To um, I was I attended this um, talk just just before this, where it was something about I didn't get it, but it was something about m- how you can use molecules to uh, use them as some type of bi- biological battery. Uh, um, yeah. So to to answer your question, it's 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 a very interesting and a, a lot of fun um, summit um, South by Southwest, and I feel like you get a little bit of everything in one go. You know, we had a chance to catch up yesterday, and you were telling me that you waited two hours in line for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, well, I was sitting in the chair just listening to everything prior to him and refusing to leave my yeah, seat. Just, just yeah. hold, it, hold it down. Uh, yeah, and I had, uh, and I had uh, my friend Eric Bang with me doing, doing mm-hmm. the same thing. So I wasn't alone. We had a lot of fun. So, yeah. Good deal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, of course, your role uh, over at H&M is on the sustainability transparency side. And, if, uh, you know, H&M was one of the first movers with... Um, basically disclosing or doing their best damn 
uh, <laughs> efforts to disclose their supply chain in its mm-hmm. entirety. Uh, so I want to commend you for that and the team over there for for being so forward thinking. Uh, but you know we're we're at an inflection point I feel, and that was years ago now. Um, but yeah, it was na- 2013. Yeah. yeah, and now you know we're at an inflection point where sustainability is the center of the conversation all of a sudden, and transparency is the center of all this conversation, and it and it seems like. There aren't a lot of brands in the world um, that have the impact potential like H and M. So you having the seat inside of this brand really gives you a seat at the table of what can the future look like and how do we get there. And that's what's really exciting about having you on. That that's that you kind of made me like realize the, you're, you're, <laughs> the importance you are, of my position. Yeah. <laughs> getting like really nervous about the <laughs> magnitude of responsibility. But yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely. Um, so where do I start? Um, I mean, it's got some gravity to it. Yeah, it, like, it, there's it, no it doubt. is, and that's something I like about H and M. It's it's. Um, the size and how the how the CEO or how, how the group and how the um, the sustainability approach of it is to like really look at the size and see it as an opportunity and uh, driving a certain change that is really difficult to do if you are not on that size. Also, you have to power through a lot of adversity because, as you know, uh, once you're in the public eye, there's the haters, right? So you have the naysayers and they'll say, you know, like, they will go ahead and talk about someone that's doing something versus Mm -hmm. someone that's not doing anything at all, right? And and pick apart where the shortcomings may be in their perception. So I'm wondering how you you internalize that because that's what I see. I think that's a that's a good question because I also I, I always get the question okay so you're you're working at a, a company at a group where transparency is really important and you have been ranked a top three in a, a transparency index by Fashion Revolution and and you're really dri- driving this agenda so why do you think not many other companies are doing that I mean we are in 2018. In a in a world of uh, communication, information, um, to to think that any information is that secretive, it's it feels quite old way of thinking. And so I get that question: Why do you think other companies are not being more or as transparent as uh, H and M? And I would say I think the one of the main reasons is that some companies are still worried about losing their business intelligence um that that w- i would still say that's the first reason but the second reason is that i mean if you look at h&m group it's we are we are being scrutinized and i i personally think it, scrutiny is good it keeps you on your toes and you it pushes you to become better and identify challenges that maybe you haven't identified but but if you constantly scrutinize the same companies who are trying to make a change who are being open um you kind of send a signal that it's better to hide in the shadows there's a penalty to you being open in the first place exactly i mean exactly so i mean most of the times when we are being scrutinized is based on information we share and if you go back to just like a human to human relationship or um, if if I would just come clear and say, listen, this happened, I'm doing this and that, and you're like, oh, you know, if you 
every, every time you just go on and uh, pinpoint all the things that mm -hmm. could be better and not look at other players. And what you're who trying are not, to do, what's not being as transparent it's yeah it doesn't send a very positive message towards any other company who maybe thinks of becoming transparent but maybe are worried that they're they will be facing same type of scrutiny do you feel or do you have an opportunity to collaborate with other brands on the lessons that h&m has learned in transparency and sustainability is that cross-company dialogue an opportunity or option or not really um, I would say yes, and that's another thing that I like about working with sustainability because, I mean, a lot of challenges that we are facing, it's not a brand challenge, it's an industry challenge. Right. It's and a the, world challenge. It, it's a way. world challenge. First of all, let's take a step here. The fashion industry or garments as a whole is the second largest industry in the world next to oil, heat, gas, right? So you're talking yeah. about a major footprint impact, right, that has to, that we've identified now as, I hope, as a society, um, Maybe not some areas, mm -hmm. <laughs> but some pockets in the U.S. don't yeah. believe that change yeah. needs to happen. But change does need to happen. And I think that the companies that are producing on a large scale have identified that. Yeah. Are you, to Rohan's point, are you working together? Is it like, what does the communication layer exactly. look like? Okay, so I, that, I, I, I was trying to get to the point. Yeah. So in this, within sustainability, because the challenges you are facing, they're industry challenges, a lot of companies are really open about collaboration. And uh, one area where I'm involved in is um, a collaboration with a coalition called Sustainable Apparel Coalition. So which I actually initiated in the US. Uh, it's an American-based company. And uh, so what the Sustainable Apparel Coalition is doing there, it, it, it is a coalition containing 40% of the industry. Let's start with that. Oh, wow. So a lot of the big names are there. Uh, and we are part of that. I mean, we're f founding members of that. And what they're trying to do is firstly set up um, measuring tools and methods to measure the industry in a harmonized way. Uh, and they're looking into how to measure sustainability footprint on a facility level, basically suppliers that you're working with and how you measure um, footprint on a brand level and, and eventually how you measure footprint on a product level. So how we, in the in a near future, you would be able to go to... Um, between two or three shops and pick the same white t-shirt and see if they have a different impact, uh, environmental impact. So within that coalition, we work a lot together. It's a collaborative coalition and we are developing everything together within the coalition, together with academia, together with other stakeholders like WWF, etc. Um, and a, 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 lot, a big part of that is to also be transparent with the uh, like the index that comes out of it. Now, transparency is not an easy um, deliverable to be fully transparent, 100% transparent. And it's because there's so many moving parts and how traditionally this supply chain works. I mean, it's fragmented, right? Like you're not working with one, 10, 20, even 100 suppliers. How many manufacturers are you working with, primary manufacturers? If you, if you count the suppliers, the units... Um, the factories, I think we are around 2,200, 2,500. And that's direct, like, direct manufacturing relationships? Like, or does that include the secondary where they're also sub-manufacturing? Uh, I think it, 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 it contains some uh, secondary as well. But okay. the main part is in the tier one. 
Yeah, so you're talking about between tier one and tier two, you're having 2,000 plus manufacturers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even think about like how difficult that weave is to to figure out exactly where something is coming from, right? I mean... We have we have mapped out the full tier one, and that's yeah. something we are disclosing publicly on our uh, webpage. Right. Uh, um, so, so we 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 were one of the first fashion retailer to do that in mm-hmm. 2013. Um, um, and you're working on the tier two as and well. And we right? have we have also added the tier two. Uh, currently, it covers 60 percent of our our uh, tier two mm-hmm. um, suppliers. Um, so. There is definitely a challenge, and the transparency for tra- sake of transparency, it, it's it, what is it? You know what I mean? You, you want to have transparency that creates impact. So then, um, you don't want to have you don't want to have uh, you don't want to end up in a spot where you drown your consumers with a lot of information without really having a content or without really creating that impact. So that's that's something I want to mention. But then, um, where if you were talking about like traceability, so transparency is one thing when you communicate the information towards uh, consumers. If you want to narrow it down, but traceability is for for a company to be able to go back through up the tiers to identify which cotton field was this cotton from and where did it travel to which market, what was it blended with and uh, where where did it go later to become some type of like yarn spinning in a spinning process, yarn processing and then going to fabric um, weaving process and eventually to a um, to a unit where the garment is being um, produced. And, and you I'm, have all of that data? We are working on it, so that's where the challenge is right. to really like map out that that whole network of uh, pro- processes and uh, units and going all the way back. And this was just like cotton, so you're working yeah. with polyester, you're working with so many other type of uh, materials. So. You know, we chatted with Avery Dennison earlier today, and we're you know, of course they do they manufacture RFID, and you know, at this point. That's, Who did you meet at Every Denison? Uh, so we just ha- actually had Julie Vargas on, uh-huh. as well as Jonathan Aitken. No, I don't know them. Yeah. Oh, you should meet them. Okay. Absolutely. I'll introduce uh-huh. you after this. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, we're talking about, okay, how RFID can lend into the, you know, the visibility of supply mm-hmm. chain. And it's not all the way there. And it's also hardware. Mm-hmm. But now connecting that to the blockchain is now potentially transformational. How are you thinking about innovations that need to exist in order to get to that 100% level? I think like the what I what I like about tech is that it could potentially like help us solve these challenges that we are seeing as challenges today. And um, if you go back the where we were 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I remember my first class where uh, my uh, computer class it was called it wasn't even it class it was computer class and my first lesson was like here's a computer this is how you turn it on like going from that to to sitting here being constantly accessing the whole world in my phone i i think looking looking where we are now is very exciting there's a lot of things happening fashion is like waking up and understanding there is a big huge space for tech to come in and support and address some of the challenges 
challenges. So I, I think that both blockchain and um, um, RFID could potentially be very interesting um, um, solutions to some of these challenges. So just for example, like what, what are some dream solutions that, or some problems that you're facing that you say, if this was solved by somebody, that would really help us in our mission to be for traceability or transpar transparency? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is to really secure the data and having trustworthy data and to be able to track the data back and um, yeah and you 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 need you need a lot of support from your your suppliers and their suppliers and for them to right, be all the way back to the yeah field, exactly right? so and so that's that's an area where blockchain could potentially um, support and come with some solution. With that said, I mean, blockchain is still a technology. Normally with the technology, you need a lot of process. You need a lot of uh, I, I, understanding how you, you need to change behaviors and incentivize information be, being put through. And, and how far are we until blockchain actually makes an impact on the supply chain from, from your standpoint? Um, that's that's a good question. I think it's it's currently being uh, we are. It's so it, early. Yeah. I mean, we are trying to understand it. Uh, mm. um, Bitcoin has been using blockchain, and that's that's one way of using it. So within fashion industry and in sustainability terms, it needs to be um, looked looked into, and you need to prototype and pilot and test it. And how much of this is the technology? problem, so to speak, or opportunity, and how much of it is that suppliers can't or won't um, adhere to these, um, these practices? I mean, are they fighting you on this? Um, I think with any change, I mean, you need to right. have change management, right? Uh, I think uh, human beings uh, by nature are quite... Um, you, 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 you like the way you do things, you know it, and then you kind of want to go along with it right. unless you have to do a change. So, I mean, we have a really, really good relationship with the suppliers that we work with. We have had a really long collaboration with some of them. I mean, majority of them. And we, um, we, we, so we have a close dialogue with them. So I, I think it's just... You need time, right? And to be clear on why you're doing it and clearly present the benefits because it could benefit them as well, as much. Right. Yeah. Okay, coming up, you're going to hear Nina discuss uh, the balance between innovation for the purposes of profitability and innovation for the purposes of, let's say, saving the planet. Uh, more with Nina Shergati of H&M right after this, live from South by Southwest. Hey, it's me, Karen Moon, one of the hosts of another mouth media podcast, Beauty is Your Business. It's a great show and a lot like Fashion is Your Business, just focused on the beauty industry. You should check it out. You'll love it. I promise. Fashion and beauty have a lot in common. For example, a big part of beauty, well, it's obviously looking amazing and feeling luxurious from head to toe. So we talk a lot on our show about the head, like makeup and hair, but what about the toe? If you want to make sure your footwear is as beautiful as the rest of you, you need a little bit of Tamara Melon in your life. 
Tamara co-founded Jimmy Choo in the 90s, and now she's launched her own namesake brand, which is handmade in Italy by family-owned factories and without the six-time retail markup. The best shoes for a better price direct to you. And let's be honest, who doesn't love great shoes? Get this. Right now, as one of the Fashion Is Your Business listeners, you can get a whopping $100 off your first order from Tamara Mellon just by using code FIYB at checkout at www.tamaramellon.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-M-E-L-L-O-N.com. And don't forget, use code FIYB for $100 off your first order. You can follow Fashion Is Your Business on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available at fashionisyourbusiness.com and listen and subscribe wherever the best podcasts are found. So Nina, you know, we hear the word innovation talked about in, in almost every sphere. I'm wondering what it looks like in your world, especially when you have these two um, goals, I would assume, which is in the profitability side and then also the broader goal of helping save the planet, basically. Um, I think whoever is aware of the planetary boundaries uh, understand that they they are basically the same thing. So... Um, it, if you if you look at the amount of um, the the growth of population the past hundred years and and where we are right now um, being approximately seven billion people on the planet with two billion people in middle class and uh, where UN is predicting that by 2030 there will be we will be approximately 8.5 billion with uh, increased middle class with three billion make, making it five billion in middle class and just think Thinking like logically to 2030 is around, around, the, it's corner. Right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, it's like 12 years. Mm -hmm. And would you think in 12 years we would have shift behavior in the sense that we wouldn't want to feel good, look good, dress well, travel, have the homes, have the food we like, etc. Right. All of these billions of new consumers who are able to spend and want to spend. Exactly, they want to spend. So then, so, so then the question will be, how can we uh, and I want to also touch by based on the, the fact that the planetary boundaries, I mean, if we continue use, using the resources this, yeah. the way we are doing, which yeah. is very linear, meaning you have an idea, you source the product, you produce it, you use it, probably not enough time before you discard it. And the, 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 the garbage mountains are growing like by day. Uh, there's statistic that in, in Sweden alone, it's... Uh, something around eight, um, eight kg per year that is being like uh, discarded from per person in Sweden. So, I mean, looking into that, it, if you put two and two together, is one thing is that no business can survive if they don't, they don't start looking into these boundaries and realize that something needs to be changed for them to just survive and then thrive and expand. And also as human beings, the responsibility that comes with it that we, we really need to um, look into new ways of um, finding solution either in terms of business setup or uh, in terms of um, uh, new materials. And so a lot of innovation is needed to make this equation um, come together. And yeah, so that's, that's my view of it. 
So we were talking earlier with uh, Dr. Amanda Parks. She's uh, the chief innovation officer at um, uh, Future Tech Lab. Mm -hmm. And a lot of her work as a scientist is, uh, and as an investor through the fund, is talking, is, is focused on new material science. And a part of that discussion was saying that, you know, the, the cost of doing this um, doesn't make sense for a lot of the brands today to now to start experimenting. And it seems like a necessary shift in our processes, like how we think about materials um, and, and, and how we move forward, to mm. your point of just the limited capacity of the planet. Mm. How are you looking at, okay, how does now, um, how do brands like H&M invest in new material science with mm -hmm. still being able to um, keep their business priorities balanced? I, I think it's, I mean, w when you understand the boundaries and if you're a brand that plans to be around, I mean, the H&M brand itself has been around for 70 years and yeah. there are no plan to <laughs> go away. To go we want to be here for 50, the business goal is not to shut down. Like just yes. to, <laughs> then, then, yeah. then it becomes reality. There is no other option. You, re, you need to start investing, mm -hmm. and the way um, the the group is investing amongst others is uh, their investment in. Um, there's a company called Warn Again, where they are looking into how they can separate. Um, textiles fibers from each other and clean up clean up each fiber from all the uh, unnecessary chemicals or hazardous chemicals to make it to new raw fresh material and make new fabrics from it so that's one way of Im investing those uh, in future tech and uh, another way approach uh, um, that H&M has towards circularity is the garment collecting um um, I don't know if you have heard of the gar garment collecting initiative. Um, basically, you we have a, a, a col collaboration with ICO, and we there are um, bins in each store at H and M where you can return whatever textiles you have um, back to the back to the shops. And when you do that, the, the, any surplus that comes f f out of that is being used as investment into Asian Foundation, which is a separate uh, company mm -hmm. um, um, funded by the uh, person family. And what they did then, it, they took this funding together with other fundings and turned to an um, organization in Hong Kong called Hong Kong Rita and said, um, listen, one of our biggest challenges is to really like when you get the garment back, when we collect the garment from through ICO, let's say, it's really hard for us to separate the fibers because majority of the garments have a mix of fibers. Right. And we and how can you help us with it? Here's the funding from our end, and you have a year to look into solution. Um, so and this project again was driven by Eric Bang, and um, after after a year he revisited. I like them. to chuckle because he's sitting right in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first I, row. <laughs> 
he's looking at me and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I need to say everything correctly. <laughs> this is, a, this is well, the most fun You exam. know what's interesting? These buyback programs are being incentivized by governments, right? Especially in Europe. So uh, like what has to happen on the, the larger political scale to do the things that you want to do? Exactly. But I really want to finish up with this. No, I don't want you to finish project, anything. <laughs> because because it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so interesting and it's so fun and like the impact of innovation yeah. when it's focused and when when you're backing it up with will and budget and money because what happened that after a year they had a solution and currently they're looking into how they can scale it up they're setting up like a factory that could make this reality and they, there's a plan for, for it to be um, open source by 2020 so it, it's up to any company to basically use this technology but and that saying, for so me H- is like amazing but H&M has these drop buckets where you could just put in old discarded clothes and then they're recycling and it gets put into that foundation's work but now do you are, are you finding that people are self-motivated to do that out of the better good of because it needs to happen or do they need an extra incentive to like get over that tipping point to make sure that this is a real real urgency for, um, for everybody i think i think both i think some are doing it because they're aware you all always have like front runners when it comes to sustainability and they're they're very knowledgeable right. but i think majority is still need to be educated it needs to have certain incentives to for doing that so um and it, end of the day if your if your goal is to make sure you get you remove the garments from landfills and prolong the lifetime of them lifetimes for each garment, then does it really matter? Like, well, it, I don't know. At, like at, a, at a starting point, definitely. I think I agree, but it's yeah. so weird because like okay, so Nespresso for instance, I have a Nespresso machine at home. They give you that green bag where you could recycle your pods and bring them into a Nespresso store. Same thing that if you just go to the store, sure, you could drop it off. But there's, it's not easy to participate in these things. And you have to really want to at this stage. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's where we are as a society. or mm-hmm. like that, and, and we are probably only taking like, I don't actually have no idea, but say a mm-hmm. fraction of the percentage mm-hmm. of the population that's actually mm-hmm. engaging with the product to actually do this and do the right thing. So I'm like, what are your views on like how to further just incentivize people or what like, why? I think one one important aspect of this is education and informing mm-hmm. uh, co- uh, consumers and really to capture their attention, you kind of need to go into their world and capture them where they are. And um, and I, I'm just like I've been up half half night. I couldn't sleep. Just thinking and, about this. Uh, no, not thinking about <laughs> this. But I'm super jet lagged, <laughs> flying in from Sweden. But uh, it, but I I started watching. Malala, there was this interview with Malala and uh, uh, she's an amazing, amazing woman and I kind of want to have a separate part to just talk about how amazing she is. But one thing that she uh, communicates so clearly is the power of information, power of knowledge and why, I mean, her take is why women are... Um, not allowed to be educated because there are there are so many uh, people or men particularly are worried about them then getting the power of being in charge of their lives. So there's huge power in educating, informing uh, people and customers. And I, I truly believe through transparency and tr- through 
entering their role, giving the information they need to really understand why this is important, that could definitely help and make this shift and make the customers and consumers part of this change that we need to see. Because I, 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 I feel that sometimes the customers are not aware of what type of power they're sitting on. And if if they would start pushing, then the industry would start answering. It's That's how it's set up, right? It's uh, um, demand and supply. So if you start by informing the customers, I believe you could, you would start seeing the changes that you want to see. Now, does how much of this is a responsibility of the companies and how much of this is also a responsibility of governments? I think it's a joint responsibility. I think, I mean, we have one planet, right? And uh, we are not f- going to find more land. We are not going to find more oil. We're not, I mean, maybe, but it's going to be finished uh, as well. So we all need to come together and really address it f- for the bigger issue that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think one single company can solve it. I no, think it you need it, it needs to be, to be collective. One company can start and show the way, but then yeah. you kind of need governments or other organizations of civil society to maybe push the remaining part of the the uh, the industry to follow. And I think there's a room for everyone to contribute. So, with the power that you say the the customer has in this, so for people listening. Um, you know, what is one thing that they can do that you recommend to show that power to brands? Um, I think by by asking questions, by you can always email or communicate their question. And also like, but another thing is that really um, helps is when you start buying the more sustainable options out there and really sending a clear signal there is that this is this is something of interest um, that's another way but definitely engaging with with the companies and asking anything from asking in the stores or sending emails or and reading about it i think there's so many ways that customers can be engaged so really go back to the brand and ask where did this product come from or what's the impact or just is this you know asking for that transparency is that what you're saying yeah now this is going to put you on the spot a little bit but i'm sure you got this question a million times already right there's a paradigm between um or there's a conflict between people's vision of fast fashion and just the enormous scale of the company uh, of H&M and then also being sustainable. How do you respond to that? That, that my, you know, yeah, that, I mean, I get that question quite course, often. You have working to, yeah. Where there, I, no, I got it I mean, like yesterday. You have to get, have to get a cut. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good preparation for this. But I think, I think it's important. Uh, one thing is that the fashion industry has got really fast and it goes for all type of it was never like this before it wasn't and it has to do a lot with the uh, accessibility to information the instagram the photo the inputs that you get manufacturing technologies have changed drastically yeah yeah, that that too but um but i mean h&m is a big company and with the with the with the size it comes responsibility and the type of impact that you can create um on that uh, on that scale it's very difficult to do that if you would be a really small company working with let's say one factory compared to 2000 plus 
suppliers and factories. And on top of that, if you have if you have a, um, a CEO who is like he he is very outspoken on, of the importance of sustainability and how how uh, how difficult it is for any business to survive if they don't take this into consideration and how important it is for the DNA of the company um, and embedding it going so far to embed it into the business idea with fashion and quality at a best price in a sustainable way. Um, I think. With that, with that behind you, you can definitely start leading the way and um, showing that how the change can be made in a way that a lot of small companies can't do that. Again, with that said, we are we are big, but the the industry is huge. So you you need to have all these small SMEs and smaller companies to start following as well to really see the impact. So with that in mind, uh, how much, Nina, are you, is H&M trying to do it within in terms of solutions and development and innovation from within and lead by example versus uh, using the size and financial strength of the company to be able to propel innovation out there through other companies, startups, and, and new ideas in order to make those solutions happen? Yeah, I think if you look into our sustainability report, you will find a lot of uh, good information there. But one of the things that I can mention is the 2030 goal uh, that that H&M has is to only be using sus uh, um, sustainably sourced materials throughout their collection. And currently... And um, by 2020, that we have uh, another goal, which is saying all cotton is to be sustainably sourced uh, uh, by 2020, and we are we are on track on that goal, and we will we are working really hard on reaching the 2030 goals. Those are examples. We have very clear ambitions and goals published, and. Um, I and from my end, when it when it comes to transparency, I can say that. Um, the amount of support that I get within the organization to get the things I we need to uh, the changes we need to do is amazing, and it's not being done by sustainability people. It's mm -hmm. actual business people being part of, of that yeah. solution and coming up with solution That's how great. to solve it IT wise and how to secure the um, the, the quality of data, etc. So it's a lot of things happening, and I'm really proud of working with all these amazing people who are so passionate about sustainability. You know, before we go into break, I must commend you for doing this to your point i mean to being in the seat that you're in and pushing forward through all of the noise because as you mentioned with with a large company can come the potential of large change um and you see it with you know some of the biggest givers in the world you know bill and melinda gates foundation and you see it through uh, mark zuckerberg and facebook and you look at these companies and they are for-profit companies and that's fine because they have that now power and that ability to actually drive forward and, and push change and, and really make an impact. Um, that's it. Just <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. Stamp. Yeah. Um, good good just, point. You know, and it's a, scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, definitely wanted to, to send that out into yeah. the ethos, but um, so yeah. I you know we we wish you all the best and we're we're supporting. 
Thank you. I think I, I, I really appreciate you to inviting me and like lifting up, uh, wanting to discuss the importance of transparency. I mean, I, I, I really wanted to watch a talk by uh, Christina Amanpour, but I, it collided with this. But for me to send out the message, to inform the people out there the importance of this issue and for you to create that platform, I thank you for that. And she had said that she really wanted to come here, but it could fit yeah. with her talk Well, fortunately, we recorded it for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was trying to move it, but it just didn't work. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, uh, less H&M, more Nina. As oh, we God. get into off-the-grid questions, get a little more personal. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hey all, this is Pavin. One thing that, of course, you know about the show is that we record with amazing founders and business leaders across um, fashion and retail and beauty and all those good things. I'm excited to let you know that we're actually heading out to Sydney uh, and quite soon, this month. So July 25th and 26th, we're going to be joining the Nora Network and uh, we're going to be over at Online Retailer uh, in Sydney, Australia, recording with some of the business leaders there, some of the uh, innovative uh, startup founders and we're, we're going to explore as much as we can and we're going to bring that to you but if you are in Sydney would love to connect you, with you uh, please email me directly if you'll be in the area Pavan that's P-A-V-A-N at mouthmedianetwork.com and then the following week on August 1st we are partnering with IFAB which is uh, led by Saskia Fairful and on August 1st we're going to be doing a Mouth Media Live our first Mouth Media Live in Australia, so very excited about that. If you will be in the Melbourne area, uh, we highly encourage you to get involved. Uh, again, give me a shout. Or you can visit fashionisyourbusiness.com, and in the top right, you'll see a link to the event. We've been fortunate, of course, to capture stories from places like Copenhagen and San Fran and Vegas, and uh, now we're going to be out in Australia, and we're very excited. Hope to see you there. Okay, everybody, a final segment, and that means, of course... And now, it's time for Questions Off the Grid, with Fashion Is Your Business. That's right, Off the Grid Questions, where we get questions a little bit more off the grid, a little more personal in nature. We have no idea the questions we're going to ask, no idea what the questions are that our co-hosts are going to ask, and we certainly have no idea of the order of the questions. We solve all of that with a spin of our gigantic... Will of Grid Destiny, which we have indeed carted out to Austin from New York, and I'm going to give that a no, it's big a, spin. It's, a, it's an AR wheel. Our big AR <laughs> wheel of Grid Destiny. We're all sitting here in yeah, special yeah. glasses. Contained here in my smartphone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and in that spirit, uh, we're going to spin the wheel and see who asked the first question. And that has come to Pavan. Shit. Um, I really didn't know what to say. Uh, let's see. I'll, I'll take okay. it if you no, want. No, I, I could take it. I'm sure. Um, do you have one? Sure. I always have one. Okay. Me too. So, <laughs> uh, you clearly have a, a passion for um, being a mindful participant in this world. What was the first indicator that you can remember from your early childhood that 
this makes sense that you're sitting in this seat that you're in now because it was inherently you? Uh, that's a good question. I think thinking back, it's always been there. I don't, I don't know how to mm-hmm. explain it. I've been thinking about it a lot. And well, what were and, your habits as a kid that were unique that make that align with this? Um. My habits, I like to play outside a lot. This was before computer games and 100,000 different TV channels. So <laughs> just a stick and running around and chasing animals. <laughs> <laughs> to hunt them, obviously. This is getting too weird. But, but I, I, think, I think it's, it's just been... I think it's, it's been part of me for such a long time and I kind of was born into like understanding the 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 challenges around around you I mean you had like so many wars I I was born into like a couple of them (laughs) um and seeing that and um with that there was a lot of influencers who were addressing that at the same time one of them being Michael Jackson. I mentioned that before. And um, and I think it just came so naturally. It just, I don't know where it started. It's always been there. I is figured that, as much. Is that, I, I, I blame my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I as think, we all do. I think, I think, I think they are the, the, the reason why I, I find this so important. Well, we thank your parents. You could blame them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll thank them. All right, another spin of the wheel. And the next question is for me. Uh, giving Rohan a brief reprieve. Uh, okay. I'm all lined up, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll good. The wheel will know you're next. Uh, Nina, uh, I always love this question, and I don't know why, but I just think it'll be fun with you. Okay. So if you... We're going to be starring in a movie, even if it's not something you would do. If you were going to star in a movie, what kind of movie would it be? What kind of character would you play? And most importantly, who needs to be your co-star, man or woman? My co-star. That's that's a that's a really good one. But I mean, for me, the for me, the question of equality and women women empowerment are so important. Um, so I would, I would definitely want to do a movie that shows the the power that is within women and move away from the 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 tiny square that is set up in a lot of Hollywood movies for women to play and really uh, capture the complexity of women in in a very honest way. And and who is the person that you have to star in this movie with? Does it need to be an actor or actress? Uh, oh, good question. No, make no. it up. Um, <laughs> is it Malala? It could be Malala. It could be Michelle Obama. It could be uh, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> I want to see that movie. I know. It's like... the, yeah, it would, it would be a good movie, wouldn't it? And then me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> this Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Nina Sharati, Michelle Obama, and Malala. Yeah. Okay, final spin of the wheel. <laughs> Rohan, top that, man. I don't know. Uh, and it is, of course, uh, to Rohan. All right, so going back, so you spent half the night watching videos of Malala speaking. And if she was sitting here or you had a chance to have dinner with her, what would you want to know from her? Um, I would probably be so moved that I would 
probably cry for 30 minutes and then mm. get, after the tears are wiped after away. after the tears are wiped out i would mm. i would probably ask her where do you get your strength from that would be my question where do you think she gets her strength <sighs> that's a question for her right. it's hard for me to guess nina <laughs> nina Seriously, where do you get your strength? And uh, not to compare you with Malala, but <laughs> just you by yourself, where does your strength come from? Um, because in order to achieve I what get, you've achieved professionally, you have to have a certain... I, I, get, I get a lot of strength from my parents and my family. Um, they're just amazing people. And they're always there. I can... Uh, cheering me... I, for whatever I do, I could like clean up my room, and they would be like, "Yay!" You know, that was the I mean? best cleanup job ever. I think. I think. <laughs> I, th yeah. I would say my parents and the fact that they are such good people, and my younger brother. I have to drop his name as well. Okay. <laughs> so what we can do is we can pull this excerpt from this show, and you can just send it to them for the holidays, and it's a nice little little moment for them to have a shout out on a show. Yeah, that would be nice. Okay. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, I don't really know why it would be necessary, but I still want to offer it to you. Uh, we often offer our guests the opportunity to have a kind of final thought, a final word. It can reflect on the interview, reflect on being here at South by Southwest, or on the industry as a whole. Um, yeah. I mean, can I just brainstorm out loud with you, everyone in the room? Sure. Um, I think, I think like being here and listening to all these uh, amazing uh, speeches and uh, talks, I think it's, it's, it's such a massive opportunity to, to start having a dialogue outside the silences and, and bring in, um, people from, with a lot of different backgrounds to together find a solution and address the challenges that are that needs to be solved and they they need to be solved quite soon so i mean that's something that i can i i feel very strongly uh, for based on the things i've heard here as well yeah and how can people connect with you and the work that you do at h&m uh, that can be by the way that can be through the brand through social media through linkedin or directly contacting you so I mean, um, they, I'm on LinkedIn, so you could look me up. I would say that's the best, best way to contact me and drop me any questions. I'll try to answer them if I have the answers. <laughs> or I make uh, them up. <laughs> perfect. All right, well, Nina Shariati, thank you so much for, for being with us uh, once again on Mouth Media Network and here on Fashion Is Your Business. Uh, enjoy the rest of South by Southwest. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Uh, that's it for all of us at Fashion Is Your Business. Thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time. We really do appreciate you listening. Just want to mention that one more time. Uh, so for Mr. Rohan Duskar. See you later. Pub and ball. Shake it easy. I'm Mark Rako, and we'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. 
Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.